Good day, it's Steve Anderson, and I'm here with our mentor and good friend, Dr. Arun Garg. Uh, Dr. Garg, as everybody knows, is dentistry's implant expert. Uh, having spent an entire career in education, uh, he founded Implant Seminars. And uh, to my knowledge, uh, there isn't anybody who is training more dentists today on how to do implants than Dr. Garg. Uh, with all of the seminars that he does around the country, as well as his live hands-on clinics that he does in the Dominican Republic, and now I understand in Arizona, uh, probably placing or responsible for supervising the placement of more implants in the world than perhaps anybody else uh, currently. Uh, so he, he covers a lot of ground. Uh, he's also the founder of the International Dental Implant Association, uh, which is an organization of implant dentists, uh, all of which have gone through his training and continue to refine their skills. So, um, Dr. Garg, thanks for taking a few minutes with us today. Thank I was you. looking forward to this conversation and wanted to divide our conversation into two parts. One, uh, for those that are doing implants currently, uh, what is what you would consider to be state-of-the-art in terms of technology, technique, and how implants are being done today? And then later on, I'd like to talk about uh, suggestions and recommendations you would have for anybody who is not doing implants and what they might think about for the future of their practice. So with that, uh, let's start out with the current state of implants and uh, what you would consider to be state-of-the-art. Uh, state if I were a patient looking for an implant dentist, uh, what would I look for? And if you were coaching a patient, telling them what should they look for, what would you consider as state-of-the-art and what they should be able to expect in the marketplace today? You know, so you're asking about state-of-the-art, not just a standard of care, not just the basics, because um, I guess we're reaching out to cutting-edge dentists to be the top-level guys. So is uh, if we're keeping this TED Talk style and keeping it short, is even then I'd like to focus on three things real quick. Is number one, computer guides. And you know, in dentistry, nothing has been done with guides. Uh, a crown prep is just done freehand with a handpiece. Albeit with principles that are learned in dental school, but not with a guide. Um, a filling, not with a guide. Is um, an access prep with for root canal, not with a guide. Is um, But now we have the opportunity to do things the way engineers did and architects did in the past because they had guides and so now there's opportunities to do implant surgery with a guide there's opportunities orthognathic surgery now is done with computer guides okay in the past it was freehand and so computer guide is um and i'll tell you for a guy with you know that's been doing this for decades i've been doing this for 30 years implants and we didn't have guides and and is the tough cases i use computer guides routinely routinely and, uh, and I started using computer guides 15, 16 years ago um, when they're exorbitantly expensive. And, um, and when I left the university, went into private practice, is uh, my office manager who worked for another dentist before and then came to our office as uh, she looked at the, at the, the bills for it and she was shocked. Um, but I insisted, I felt that strong that for tough cases. Um, and now as they become more and more prevalent, the cost comes way down. And so now it's not even exorbitant cost. Now it's, state-of-the-art almost where it should almost be routine as the cost is reasonable and and the tough part with guides was how do i read the ct scan how do i design the case All right 
But now what's happening is like with Invisalign. You don't design the case, you send it to them. You don't read is the software, they do it. Is I'm working with is this company actually in, in Texas. And, um, and they have radiology technicians that have been designing guides for eight years. They design 10 a day. They design it. They read the CT scan. And then you get this thing for nominal cost. So guides is um, number two. In the past, the abutments, it's a 4-0 implant. It was a 4-0 abutment. But the cross-section of the two, it doesn't look like a circle. I would say custom-made abutments. Custom-made abutments, so the emergence profile of the abutment coming off the implant has the same cross-section as that natural tooth there would. And with that same is emergence profile, better aesthetics, better hygiene maintenance, better is to maintain the soft tissues there. Is, and now there's so many different companies that provide that, is uh, custom abutments and a reasonable cost again. Is, uh, and the third thing, the most important thing is, um, is bone grafting. Because what happens is, um, if you're just not doing the bone grafting, is it limits you in terms of where you can place the implant, the size of the implant you can place. So feeling comfortable with bone grafting. Is, so those three things is computer guides, custom abutments, and bone grafts. Uh, let me ask a couple of follow-up questions. What's the cost difference between a standard abutment and a custom abutment? You know, five years ago, the answer would have been stock abutment is $100 and custom abutment was $450. It was a big difference. Today, stock abutment has gone up to $125. Custom abutment has come down to $150. <laughs> so not much difference. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, bone grafting in terms of education. Uh, if you're taking somebody from scratch, you do this all the time. Uh, and getting them to the point where they could do bone grafting I'm sure there's, you know, there's some cases more complicated than others, but what kind of an investment does that take to really get up to speed on that? Well, the, there's a lot of different types of bone grafts, and it just depends on what level someone wants to get to. Um, you know, the easiest would be socket preservation. And um, is if you're asking from an investment point of view, I do a three-day live patient program down in Dominican Republic. You come down for three days, you extract teeth, as you do socket preservation, you do PRP, is uh, all on patients for $2,500 tuition, online patients for three full days. Um, so that's the investment. Um, and there's no chance, if you do that for three days under supervision, live patient after live patient after live patient, you're not gonna come back and do it. Uh, so since you mentioned it, you are one of the original developers of PRP. Give us the, the short history of that and why it is so important. <laughs> is, um, as it was, as myself and as, as Robert Marks, the two of us at the University of Miami, we were just trying to make is things sticky. And so we were doing large bone grafts. We we're trying to make them sticky. So we thought, okay, we spin the blood, get the platelets, like get a test tube that's 10 as milliliters and take the middle one milliliters and get concentrated platelets and make the bone graft sticky. And what we found is the bone matured twice as fast. It was twice as dense and the soft tissue healed better. So we kind of stumbled on discovery. We're trying to make things sticky and we made it sticky and growing faster bone and growing better soft tissue. And now it's taken off. Is uh, We never patented anything, but uh, now it's $40 billion your industry. Orthopedics. They use it now for fillers. Yeah. Uh, joints for athletes. It's everywhere. And, and not that too difficult to, to do it in your office. No, it's a centrifuge. $800 centrifuge and 50 cent test tubes. There you and, go. Uh, and a little... 
half day training or one day training program for the, for the team members to learn how to draw blood and spin it. Easy enough. You yeah. make it sound easy. It is. It is. We have, we do the program for 30 assistants at a time. And we do that program about 30 times a year. We train 900 demo assistants a year is on how to do it for the doctors. That's and we train several hundred doctors as well, of course. Right. Yeah. All right. So that gives us uh, an update on at least technology where we are today. Maybe you can just give us a uh, context of what is the market for dental implants today just in the United States? What's the opportunity? And then I want to talk about how you get started if you're not doing implants today. Well, is um, if you look at the number of folks that are missing a single tooth, there's over 50 million Americans missing a single tooth. And um, you know, if there's 250 million Americans, one out of five is missing a single tooth. So that's 50 million implants just waiting to be put in. Um, slam dunk single uh, onesie kind of cases. There's another 50 million that are missing two, three, four teeth. So even if there's two, that's about another 100 million missing uh, teeth. And if there's three, it's 150 million. So between those two categories, that's 200 million missing teeth. Is, um, and then there's about another 20 million, 15 million, 20 million that are missing all their teeth. And when they're missing all the teeth, that doesn't mean they're going to get 32 implants. Well, let's say four per arch, eight. So that's another 100 million. So there's about 300 million implants that need to be put in in this country right now. Last year, 10 million went in. 10 wow. million in is... Um, and 300 million need to be put in. That's 30 years for us to catch up. Like and even if, you think, even if you think about the doctors, okay, that are, that are listening to this, if you think about the number of extractions they did per year, and compared to the number of implants they placed per year, I mean, it should be one for one. Right. But it's not even close. I, if I had to guess, the average is dentist out there is extracting 200 teeth per year, but implanting maybe 10, maybe 20, maybe 50. Okay. So that discrepancy keeps on getting bigger is um, it doesn't get smaller. Average number of extractions that you would, just in general, say where you do an extraction and it would be an opportunity to immediately place an implant, what percentage of the time? Mm, I tell folks, when it depends on where they're at. So if they're beginners, I tell them don't do that. Right. Okay. Because they don't know how much crustal bone loss you're going to have. And so you put the implant here, you get crustal bone loss, you got threads exposed. Okay. Um, you're not so good at suturing. Some of the graft material comes up. You get threads exposed. Okay. So I tell them when they start, just do socket preservation. Got it. If 20% of the graft material comes out on socket preservation, pat yourself on the back. You go, pat myself on the back. Yes, 80% stayed in. And you're 80% better off than you were back before you started socket preserving. Okay. All right. But if I do an immediate implant, 20% comes out, you don't get to pat yourself on the back. All right, so, so if I'm not doing any implants today and I'm thinking about the future of my practice and thinking about adding implants, getting that education, which I highly recommend, uh, even though I'm not a cl clinician from a business side, <clears throat> it only makes sense. Would it be safe to say that step number one, even if you don't know how to do an implant, is you ought to start doing socket preservation? Absolutely, absolutely. And that is not just if they're going to get an implant there. Because you maintain a big fat ridge, what if they're gonna get a bridge there? Better to have a big fat ridge under the pocket. What if they got a partial denture? Better a big fat ridge under the partial. They're full denture, better a big fat ridge under full denture. Okay? In every single scenario, socket preservation. And is when we go through it and we train folks, they get 95% case acceptance on socket preservations. 
So you take a 20 minute extraction, that might be 150. And you add in a five minute socket preservation, that might be 300. So you just tripled your hourly production, but more importantly, did a valuable service for the patient, but valuable for the office, triple it. And with a 95% case acceptance. So no brainer. Yes, exactly. Okay, so that would be <clears throat> safe to say that would be if you're not doing anything else, you've got to do that. That ought to be a first step. Yes. yes. What's next? Is after that, then implants. Okay. Oh, okay. Then implants in there. So, uh, what do I do if I'm not doing any implant uh, dentistry at all? Uh, give me the first, give me the, the easy way to get. I know there's, right, right. there's no easy way, but if you're going to yeah. map out the path path for me to get started in the right way, where would I start? You know, years ago is uh, when I started these, is, you know, teaching at, at the university as residents. And then I said, okay, let me start continuing education. I set it up like a residency program. I set it up a full year, one weekend per month. And uh, I did, I skipped a month because I needed a break. So I made it the 11 month implant training program. Okay. One weekend per month for 11 months. I had the uh, guest speakers come in. I had, you know, P.I. Brandemark come in for one of those days. Uh, Richard Lazaro, the guy who founded 3i is implants, come in for a day. The guy who founded uh, Camelog Implants, Axel Kirsch, come in for a day, and so on. And that program we've kept. And so we still got that 11-month program. And for the guy who wants to make implants like his specialty, that would be the way to start. But what I saw over the years, a lot of folks said, you know what, I don't want to make a specialty. I want to make it a part of my general dental practice. The way I do endo, the way I do extractions, you know, not make this. So we do a four session is implant continuum that I do all the lectures myself. And so everything contiguous, no difference of opinion, step by step by step. And I offer that in 15 major cities around the country. So that would be the entry way. Every now and then I find folks that said, well, I've taken either in dental school or my GPR residency or even some, some other course. I've taken a lot of didactic material. And I don't want the 11 month. I don't even want the four month. I would just like a two day program. So I got a two day program. Okay. called implants unlimited. Every now and then I get folks that say, I don't even want the two day program. <laughs> I've had so much didactic and I need a hands on. I like to go straight to hands on. So I call it implant boot camp. We go straight to Dominican Republic. I still give an hour per morning of lecture still to get everybody on the same page. So that would be the four ways to enter. The fifth way that we're in the process of putting together is 50 hours online. Okay, so there's five ways to enter. The most common is the four session program, the implant continuum. But the other is 11 session, one session, directly to live patient, or 50 hours online, yeah. five entry points. And so it uh, depends on the time, depends on the finances. And, and then after that, if they wanted to, which I would recommend, live patient. And for live patient, we've got uh, Santo Domingo, is we now actually have Santiago, another facility there. And now, as you said, we also have Phoenix. So you could choose, they wanna travel international, don't wanna travel international, all the international Dominican Republic is an hour and 45 minute flight from Miami. So it's, it's like a domestic flight, but yeah. Is, uh, but three different uh, options is for them. Why don't dentists do implants? If they don't do them, what are the biggest reasons they don't do them? Well, I think, I think as a lot of the top performers actually do, but the ones that, that haven't, it's sort of like all of us, it's just inertia, you know, is they may not have gotten around to it. Is, um, 
is they go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start, you know, using that Bowflex I bought. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> is there, okay. Right. Is, um, so I'm guilty of the same thing. You know, they just didn't get around to it. Um, that's a lot of it. Um, a lot of it is they didn't realize that they can actually learn it. Okay. Is that this is not something that you're born with that you're trained on it. And, um, this didn't understand that or have the confidence that, yeah, okay, I didn't realize I could be trained on this. I didn't realize I don't have to do the 11 month and become a specialist. It can be a part of my practice the way I can do endodontics without being an endodontist, the way I can do extraction without being an oral maxillary surgeon, the way we can do deep cleanings in our practice without being a periodontist, okay? That yes, I can do a substantial amount of them, okay? Is um, in their mind, they might either either believed or erroneously been told in middle school that no, you've got to be all in or not in. It's not is uh, a part of general dentistry and it very much is. Big market for it. And uh, from a patient practice standpoint, we've always held that most patients, if they have the confidence in your competence, they would prefer to stay with you in your office, in your chair then have to go somewhere else and establish a different relationship with somebody they don't know. Uh, if they have the confidence in you, they, they prefer to stay. Would you agree with that? I see that all the time. I, I talk about my classes is, and I ask because I travel you know, every weekend and see, I meet 50 doctors each, each weekend and I ask them and they say, yeah, half is the ones that before they took the course are referring out, they go half don't go. They say, I'm going to send you Dr. Smith down right. the street. You're going to love him. He's great. We refer to him all the time. I send my mother to him. They go, oh, you mean I have to go somewhere else? Don't do it. I'm okay then, Doc. I'm fine just the way I am. Or they say yes and they don't get around to it. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's just one more step they have to take. So make it, uh, as they say in the technology world, frictionless. Yes. Yes. Frictionless. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, thank you for the update. Um, information on your courses can be found. Oh, at implantseminars.com. Easy, easy enough. Yes implantseminars.com. And uh, I want to personally thank you for your uh, great mentorship in the Crown Council and your participation in Smiles for Life. Uh, we've done some, some great good together in the Dominican Republic that will continue uh, moving forward to, to benefit uh, patients that otherwise would never have any care in that country. And you have a, a specific interest there because of all the education you do there. So we appreciate your engagement, your participation, and your commitment to all of that. Thanks for your wisdom, as always. Excellent. Thank you. And look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay.